Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends contains references to sexual assault, abuse, and disordered eating. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends? My name is Emily Lang. I'm an actress, writer, singer, codependent, returnee from rock bottom and a gratefully recovering addict. And this is the podcast where we aim to rid the shame, the highs and lows and deadly blows that ultimately led us to the lessons we never knew we needed to learn, but are so grateful that we did. So I am your classic anxious attacher. Roll up, boys, come and get it, because I cannot set boundaries. I put everyone's needs before my own. I will rarely be honest about what I want. I will mold myself to other people. I panic about friendships and relationships on a daily basis and am entirely consumed by others' emotions and movements rather than my own. You get me? Cool. Of course, now I'm aware of this stuff, I'm not so quick to dive in and trust the shitty intuition and ideas that are shoved into my chemically imbalanced brain. I've learned a lot about me, my preferences, my habits, and that wisdom feels like a goddamn superpower some days. However, to gather this awareness, to shift path so dramatically, something pretty extraordinary had to happen. And I had to go on a long trip to a pitch dark place with no loophole contract and a pretty solid work visa. (laughs) This week, my guest is sexologist and attachment therapist, Madeline Monroe. Her awareness and knowledge is fairly astounding. However, similarly to me, she went on her own perilous voyage to unearth all of it. And it was tough to say the very least. Today, we are discussing sex, attachment, relationships, recovery, and much, much more. Okay, so it is around 2015 slash 2016, some big old years for celebrities dying, I seem to remember. I can't remember what else. 2015, 2016, but we are between Cheltenham and Bristol. And in this moment, Madeline, why do you think you've got no friends? 
Yeah. So this was yeah a big couple of years because of celebrity deaths. Obviously, that's what spiraled me into this. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was the biggest thing. That that was my biggest trigger at that time. Um, just one too many. Um, so yeah, this was a challenging time for me. And it's interesting that I chose this moment because what inspired it was actually when you wrote in your email to me, it doesn't have to be too exposing. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh, that's so kind of you to kind of offer this out of just pick a random moment and we can kind of move through it and see how it is. But when I had listened to your podcast before and when I listened to your first episode, I felt so touched by your vulnerability and your sharing. And I I actually cried. And I just, in that moment, I was like, whoa, this version of me in those years really needed what you were saying. And so I wanted to share the memory from this time and what I was going through because of the relevance and the importance of your podcast and the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. So, I really appreciate that. That's very kind. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So during this time, I was in recovery for an eating disorder and I had an eating disorder for about a decade. Um, just growing up, it was, it was normal for me. I just didn't really know much different. And then I was at university and it started in my second year where it had spiraled. So my parents were sick. Uh, both of them, unfortunately, got cancer during my second year of uni. And weirdly looking back, that should have been the rock bottom or that should have been the difficult time. But actually it happened a year later when I'd been in therapy for six months and I realized that the life that I built I could only sustain it if I continued to have an eating disorder, if I continued to be an addict, if I just didn't process any emotions. And so I chose to not take my final exams at university because I knew that I would, I was on the verge of relapse really with my eating disorder and in this place of suicidal ideation and knowing either that my eating disorder would kill me just through my organs shutting down or that it would feel so bad mentally that I would choose to go there. So I took this time to reevaluate everything and just knew it wasn't the path that I was going down. And so a few months later, so this would be in the 2016 in Bristol, I was then saying to my friends, oh, I'm actually going to study ch- study coaching and I'm going to study counseling. And there were two moments, one for my friends and one for my parents, where my friends said to me, what are you going to coach people on? How to drop out of uni? And I ju- it just crushed me <laughs> in that moment. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I don't, like my friends don't get me. Like, like I've, built a, I've built this life on who I thought I should be. And now I'm not that person. I, I feel like I'm losing everything. Like everything is crumbling. And that paired with my parents also saying something similar of you're wasting your potential. You're throwing away your life. It felt like one of those moments of I'm alone and I'm a failure and I'm a fuck up. I relate to so much of what you said. Um, one, what an unbelievably savage thing for your friend to say. <laughs> I know, but it's like that banter, isn't it? It's that banter that you're in yeah, with your yeah. friends. And so I think it was just a, it was just a joke. But at that time, I don't think people realize and where had I built up this image of myself that everything's fine and actually mm. inside I'm dying and no one really knows. Yeah, and yeah. so for me that this moment resonated with 
what I felt internally of when you spoke about your breakdown and what I feel like I touched into with your experience was this idea of like something happening publicly. I feel like the rock bottoms I've gone through that have been private have almost been easier to get through because I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm doing, you know, and, and you know, you're a creative. It's like, we go through so many failures just every day being a creator, but this being so public and, and having an identity as a law student and getting an internship in New York and then saying, oh, I'm now learning how to eat. And that's my primary focus in my life. So yeah. that's where I'm heading. Just that humiliation aspect of it and the shame. That's exactly the word I was going to use, the humiliation of it. Because humiliation is was the overwhelming thing that I felt when mm. this happened at first. Um, I was so humiliated, mm. just like unbelievably. Um and for like many different reasons and for some reasons that really weren't my fault and like being the victim of the smear campaign as well you're going oh my gosh it's it's utterly it's utterly horrendous but it was such a big lesson in terms of and it took me such a long time to get there but like the humiliation I felt um and I think I've absolutely said this before when I went into rehab when I went into recovery I was like I'm gonna do this forever and I'm gonna show I'm gonna show everyone that I'm that I'm great there was no part of me going, I care about myself enough or I love myself enough to actually make growth and make changes to better myself. I'm just going to do it for other people so they can see and I can redeem myself from this great, glorious, apocalyptic downfall I had. Um, and uh, yeah, go on. Um, yeah, because this is where I'm just smiling because I'm thinking about where, you know, when I was sharing, it's like the rock bottom should have been my parents being ill. If I wasn't yeah. sick, that would be a healthy person. It's like, oh, this was such an awful point of my life. Whereas yeah. for me, the public humiliation of all the coping mechanisms that I'd built up to look like I was fine, that mm -hmm. all coming crumbling down and realizing I've got to rebuild that, the shame of that, yeah, that not being able to hide anymore. That was the moment that I thought, oh my gosh, this is so hard. I don't know if I'm going to make myself through this. It's like, and it's this very fragile thing that you build up um when you're not okay within yourself and you're using all of these plasters and these like small sort of different avenues which are so precarious and frightening second mm. but you're like I'm, I'm okay I'm doing this I've done this before I can I can keep going and I'll get I'll get to the other side and then I'll be fine and then I'll then I'll start my my journey of like building my healing but no no no. I'm just gonna stick with this for now and then you're kind of hopping from thing to thing and then it all comes crumbling down and it's like and you're right with it it's not just one thing it's not just like one thing that goes crumbling down ever like everything everything, everything. everything. it's just so destabilizing family like friends my house like mm. e everything just went um I mean, it really doesn't rain. It pours. Like it's, I, I really, really hear you in that moment. Like w one thing I, I want to ask, and again, and you don't have to answer at all. But um, your when you were when you were dealing with disordered eating, which is something that I did for a very, very long time as well. Um, what was your drive behind that, if that makes sense? Because I know that when I really started restricting my food mm -hmm. it was because um I wanted someone to notice that something was mm -hmm. wrong with me mm -hmm. um, 
I wanted to get so thin to the point that people going, oh, is there a problem? We should really check in. Mm. Um, I mean, unconsciously now looking back, I'm like, I know that that was what I wanted. And if someone went, oh, you look healthy. I was like, what? <laughs> what, do you, what, what do you mean? Do I, I don't look like I'm dying. You bitch. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering if, if there was something similar behind your, behind your um, sort of eating. Mm, I'm so sorry that you had a similar experience and I love the way you speak about it with such awareness now I'm like oh wow so much learning from this um yeah similar I think a scream for help that I didn't even know but also I think it was control like I mainly a big tool to me was like this this bulimic aspect and the control like if there's one thing that I have full control over here and I didn't know how to regulate my emotions and so what I learned from the that disordered eating is that when I was in therapy, because again, I thought therapy, I'd been for six weeks, I would learn how to eat, everything would be fine. And then I'd go off and my life would be exactly the same. I didn't know that actually therapy was the start of unraveling a very fucked up like ball of thread. (laughs) And that that would actually be the next steps to a whole different life for me. But once I knew that, okay, I don't know how to process my emotions or regulate my nervous system properly, this is what I've been using right now. If I take that bulimic aspect out, I'm trying to be sober in that aspect or recovery, then what else pops up? So it was a journey of seeing, okay, what other coping mechanism wants to come up until I find enough safety in myself to process the uncertainty, the fears in a healthy way. But otherwise Mm. it was like, it's like that phrase, it's not addiction to one thing. It would have been anything. Exactly. This happens and people are so unaware of it. And I was completely unaware of it. When one thing gets taken away, that doesn't, that like addiction doesn't just like fizzle into nothing. Go, oh, but, but yeah, that was oh, I'm fine now. <laughs> that was a weird thing. Like, boom, I'm going to go into exercise or mm-hmm. I'm going to go into, I don't know, smoking. Like, mm-hmm. and again, not all, not all addictions are like outwardly destructive because some of them like like exercise addiction go people go oh god you're working hard well done and you're like no I'm doing this I'm doing this to survive I'm doing this because I can't do anything else um but it is the thing of control is is such a brilliant way of it's a it's it's a way of describing it and the word control is often I've spoken about this before it's a very very scary scary word and people are very frightened of it and it sort of reeks of something quite um dangerous and like almost like aggressive and Mm -hmm. it's it's not it's actually comes from a place of extreme fear and it's quite passive um yeah the thing of being where you were in your life with your parents in this situation and not being able to control any of that and then going what is the one thing I can do I, I, I can do this I can I can make this great if you can't control anything else then it's just like it's like addiction just barrels in mm-hmm. on one thing, especially yeah. because you know you know what's gonna you know what's gonna happen. It is like it's not a lottery with the outcome. You know if you restrict your food, you, the what what's gonna happen to you. It's the same with like with vodka for me. If I drank mm-hmm. vodka, I'm gonna happen. I was like, this is my best mate. My, but he's mm-hmm. never ever let me down ever. Mm-hmm. Not. Um, and it and it becomes so addictive I remember when I went to eating disorder therapy for the first time and actually it was in my second year of drama school that I went so um and I 
really, really didn't want to go because my thoughts were, if I go to eating disorder therapy, they're going to teach me how to eat and then I'm, I'm going to put on weight. And mm, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Weight. The idea of putting on weight was so terrifying that I was like, I would rather be unhappy. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I don't want them. I don't want to be fixed and then be told and then be like a stone heavier that in my head just equated to failure. Mm. And I was also so obsessed with the, the feeling of like, oh, and, the, and, the, and I feel ashamed to say it now, but I also know that those thoughts were coming from such a sick and toxic place. Mm. But I was so obsessed with the, the, the thoughts of like ugliness and what I thought ugly was. And I never applied it to anybody else. You just applied it to yourself and what you thought was ugly and what you thought was, was like, and also we were at drama school and they were going, and we were like, where are just we got to be so skinny? <laughs> Otherwise we're never going to get it going. Which is obviously complete bullshit, but it's, it is, it's just about control. It's, mm-hmm. and just wanting to be seen. I'm so interested to talk to you as well about what you do now. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and so I was thinking before we started recording, I was like, when my mum goes, can, can I listen to this episode? I'm going to be like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no no <laughs> not for you um because now you work in in sex in sex therapy is mm, that yeah and you sort of tell me a little bit about what that entails yeah so yeah firstly uh leading on from your question and your reflections of like the control yes, piece yeah, yeah. um and like really hearing your experience here um and I wonder if you felt it because I feel like I wouldn't now be a somatic sex therapist if I hadn't lost all control of my life because in a way it was so liberating. Like yeah, I think so if I kind of had a semi breakdown, I would have still been latching on to who do I need to be to fit in? Who do I need to be to let people like me? And all of these things. But when I fully lost everything, I don't have a, I don't have the degree that I wanted, the friendship group I'm not in anymore. My fam- My parents are disappointed in me. Yeah, I I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to find yep. like what it is that lights up my soul. And I'm like, there's no other thing. Like I've tried everything on paper. I've ticked all the boxes. I've been the good girl. And if I do that, then I, I'm so desperately unhappy inside. So I'm just going to keep going until I find what it is I want to do. So I feel like that pit for, you know, for people that may be in a pit, like is the best thing that will ever happen to you. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. 100% when everything goes up in smoke you lose everything there is such glory in nothing because mm. one, nothing scares you all that much anymore nothing because you've already gone through your worst case scenario you've, you've gone through it it's, it's like with um with this podcast um if someone goes like I don't like it I'll be like okay <laughs> Do people say that? Do they actually, they don't reach out to you in yeah. that way? And also I have, I have people from my past who are, um, who are going, don't listen to it, don't. And I'm like, all right. I mean, don't, it's entirely. If you're listening to it now, we know who you are. I know who you are. I know you gave me that one star review. No, no way. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. I mean, if you want to hurl an yeah. insult, trust me, it, it's like I'm just not afraid of you anymore I'm not yeah. afraid of anything because when you've been to that place of going I have lost 
everything, everything. the courage and like almost bucketness of what comes out yeah. of that it's like is unbelievably powerful mm-hmm. unbelievably mm-hmm. powerful and that you start and when it does sound so cliche but the amount of power I have found in being my own best friend is sensational Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because suddenly I was relying so much on this outside validation from my friendship group yeah uh, and going if I'm not invited somewhere then fuck I'm not anybody I'm not if they've forgotten about me if they haven't if I haven't spoken to them in a week and now I'm just like oh my god I get to wake up every day actually my real best friend is Mickey my cat who's sort of around here somewhere love him he's like he's if I, I I say it's Mickey and then and then me when it comes to <laughs> um but that kind of that release of fear and mm, going yeah I'm gonna start this and same with you going what what sets my soul on fire what brings me so much joy and if someone goes I don't think you should do that or um or I oh no I don't like that I think that's improper mm. or you're like okay you think that I don't care I don't yeah care. dark place that like you're what you're saying I know one is coming from a place of pain you do you bro like yeah it's- yeah. yeah I love your <laughs> yeah insight around this and how just like the separating that and how freeing that is like then how actually we kind of heal that need for control because we yeah. know that we're creating the life that we really want and we feel so much better and and the difference that makes rather than seeking outside of ourselves and I just yeah. so resonate I'm just smiling myself thinking like the first time when I told my family that I wanted to be a somatic sex therapist you know and like this real um resilience inner resilience you need to have to think that this is what I'm doing and people because people are going to have their responses and I've had it to my profession and just yeah the the freedom and the empowerment and the self-worth that comes through mm. the work that it takes to go through a rock bottom in life and then how you come out the other side um so yeah so now yeah this is what I do I'm a yeah, somatic sex therapist. So I trained in somatic sexology, psychosexual somatic therapy and somatic attachment therapy. So I've kind of really weaved together lots of different branches. And that also came through my own rock bottoms and intimacy and relationships. Really, it was all come from where I thought I was broken. That's how I've built my life now. Yeah, the healing from this. And the awareness that you've sort of gathered and then can help other people with is 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 so powerful understanding your own patterns and your own attachment styles um but I've looked at a lot of the things on on your Instagram the things like um uh, the one you did recently about how trauma shows up in in sex mm. I related to so much of that oh no actually the really big one I want to talk oh my god really big one is um <laughs> Like instant, instant chemistry can be a bit oh. of a red flag. Oh, absolutely. Holy cow, smack my ass and call me Nikki. Like <laughs> this, <laughs> the, that, that, that one touched my soul in such a big way because that's my last relationship. I mean, I don't know what you'd call it. Mm, relationship. It was like a cluster of like, it was basically someone got a ball of shit and threw it in a blender and then against the wall. Oh, it was, honey. It was oh, my gosh. Horrendous. 
Um, but I was so addicted to mm-hmm. I was so addicted. And it was that immediate like intensity that was so overwhelmingly powerful and passionate and like mm-hmm. wild that I was I was like into this person and he just he destroyed destroyed me oh I'm so sorry um but I mean that uh, it's I'm 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 still I'm grateful for it for whatever it was because I'm like (laughs) look at me now (laughs) (laughs) um and that feels like that (laughs) (laughs) and I feel like this also happens I see in a lot in, in my clients is that it's like we have these relationships that are okay or not okay. And then often we'll have like a wake up relationship where it's so bad or painful that then we realize we need to look at all of our patterns and our stuff. Cause we're like, that's never going to happen again. I'm never going through this. And then often the relationships we have after are even better than we could have thought because yeah. we're going into them with so much more health and awareness. Um, yeah. But I resonate with this, like running into the fire. That's why I created that post. And that's what I, love to teach on as well because I feel like that's also a lot in I remember in Fleabag did you watch Fleabag oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember like I love this is why I love programs but now I'm a bit of a pain to watch them with because I'm thinking through a therapist lens and and I was looking at the chemistry with them and I was thinking like and they went straight into sex there wasn't really much like gentle opening it was very like the chemistry was super intense and I was like wow what patterns are you playing out here and it's like <laughs> these things are so normalized and glorified and it's so sexy yeah. to see this chemistry that's, that's on screen that yeah. actually if we fully understand that it's probably our childhood trauma playing out, it's probably our nervous system that's dysregulated and our attachment patterns are probably absolutely running the show. And like we kind of see with those things, it it, it burns out and often in a, in a painful way. Yeah, and you think that because this is so much in pop, like pop culture of going, this is what love is. It needs to mm. be love needs to be really painful in some mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to be fiery. I mean, I've, my adolescence was basically informed by um, "Just Gonna Stand There and Watch You." Burn. Oh my gosh, that song was that Linkin Park? No, it was um, Eminem and Brianna. Oh yeah, that one. I remember that so much. I've literally you give me a flashback of like listening to that on the bus to school, and, and that the, the is video. it so funny. Oh gosh, I don't remember the video. But it's like Megan Fox and um and I dominate someone who was one of the hobbits in Lord of the Rings. Oh gosh, no way! But how that puts that into this um suffering of relationships. You know, we listen to these songs, and then I'm like 14 years old, like. Oh, I'm suffering so badly with uh, this guy from DT. This is what love it's is. awful. And it's a really abusive relationship. It's a really abusive relationship, which is getting which is getting so romanticized. And you're like, oh, this is this is my, this is what love must be like. It's gotta mm-hmm. be this kind of weird. And if it's not that, if it's if it's normal, then it's not real. It's not um it's not like uh I don't know, it's it exciting and sustainable. Whereas yeah. it's completely opposite. But if something is, I know I found for me, like if something is quite stable, if oh no, I don't know if stable is right well, because I definitely I haven't been in a relationship since I started my recovery, which I think is a very good thing. Yeah, um, I love this. Love that. Um, mm. but before that, I don't think I've ever been in a completely stable relationship because they've mm. either been really abusive or very codependent. There seems to be the sort uh, of very yeah. 
Um, but uh, if there have been moments of like calm, uh, I've been like, what is this? What is, I don't understand mm. this because it's never shown up before. And so if you don't know it, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And it can what feel unsafe. Mean? Like the yeah. if we're used to a certain level of fight and flight in our system, then when someone that, that that isn't a, that isn't actually in the connection, and someone's saying how they think, and they're not acting out, and that there's not drama, it can feel that stability can feel so unsafe. To yeah. the point that we're possibly then we sabotage it, like we act out our patterns to kind of create the kind of friction that we want, or it feels boring, and we dismiss it as that they're not for me. It's so boring, and you're like, no, we love the boring connection, slow, stable building. The difference between Eros and Agape, um, <sighs> which is think about the Eros being the wild, intense, fiery mm. love that we see all the time. People go in, they come back together, and so up and down you dive between the sexy and despair, and that's Eros. And then Agape is really is very, very gentle, very unconditional love. I'm sure you know this explaining for the listeners that Agape is the um mm. love that you know, you might, you might feel for a child or you might feel, but it comes just like, it's like serene. It feels serene. Does that make sense? Like this, like uh, a gent, like a calm ocean, I think it's like not rocked. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like this thing I was, I was in for also my, my first relationship that I ever had when I was, I think I was just, I was 17 to 19 or something I can't remember how old it was it was like very my informative teenage years um uh my first relationship was very abusive and I've discussed I'm so sorry it's I look at him as a very very unwell individual Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but it was very it was very abusive it was very emotionally abusive it was very physically abusive Mm -hmm, and I have mm -hmm. quite a lot of residual um scars and pain from that like my jaw this is quite triggering um, for listeners, but I, I'll put a thing at the top. Mm. But my jaw clicks every day oh. because of what he did. And like, my neck is fucked up because of what he did. Um, but that, that connection that I had, it was my first time, it was the first time ever that someone had gone, you are the most important thing in the world. Ah, uh, so then it felt so addic- like this is it. Then I'll do anything to be the most important. I'll just to keep this yeah. role in your life. I need to, I need to keep this because if I lose this, I'm going to go mm-hmm. back to being made out of plastic, and no one's yeah. going to see me. Oh, and I yeah. need this person to. I need this person to be alive. Essentially, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, they can treat me however however they want. Um, and it was, and it was so awful because it's the first time. You don't know what well, I didn't know what a relationship was supposed to be like. I'd never yeah. seen what I didn't know what mm-hmm. love was. And so when you get presented with this thing, you go, Oh, this is what it must be. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's and I remember coming out of that and going, I'll never, I'll never go back there again. Um and what was weird is I I have mm-hmm. time and time again in very different, different ways. Yeah. Like and the last person who I was so, I was so addicted to him. I, mm-hmm. I, I would have done anything. I think it's like in the, in the Covenzi episode, I talk, like, I, I would have given him a kidney. 
like with mm. with that question if you needed a kidney yeah. I'd be like yeah lay me down on the table and get a nice bucket like I would have been there <laughs> I'll do it right now yeah yeah, like yeah. just try to get it out mm. like without without question I would have done anything for him I would have given up my career I would have given and that complete betrayal of yourself yeah, yeah like the self-abandonment self-abandonment and the fact that you cannot survive without this person yeah then when are left you are left with nothing nothing but one one thing that I found sorry I'm talking at you so much oh my gosh I'm so here for it I'm so appreciating your vulnerability I feel like this is so helpful and I really resonate um they're like one reason why I've been very addicted to very intense connected sex is Mm -hmm. because in this first relationship that I had um with this with this like monster of a young man who just so clearly so unwell Mm um he and it was sort of my first uh, like it was my first time really experiencing penetrative sex for like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um, like other things had happened before and they like all of my first experiences were forced literally every single one um in the years before and that's something else I'll talk about another time but like it's I'd got to penetrative sex and he was going if 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 you don't come you don't love me oh my Um, gosh and so I was informed by this thing going if I don't if I don't I I have to do I have to do I have to do otherwise he's going to think that I don't love him and then this hence this like tension which came in and now and it's still lingering now that like a lot of the time and it will creep into my head of going you've got to come you've got to come come on come on come on come on on." otherwise Otherwise, they're going to think that you're not you're not into them, mm-hmm. or they're going to think you're having a, a bad time. Yeah. I mean, I say this like when I was having sex before, but when I was with this this guy and I was able to, I took that as this is the one. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, that. yeah. And I'm very addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this thing that I have discovered in this year of recovery mm-hmm. is going obviously it's a joint experience obviously it's something to be very very connected but there is a lot of freedom and a lot of power in understanding your own pleasure and understanding like that you can also and you can also really enjoy it you don't it doesn't have you don't have to get an orgasm out just just to please that person if you're not going to do it it's okay it's fine you'll experience and you'll have fun with other things and you can take pleasure from other aspects of the connection that you have it doesn't need to be this explosive Mm explosive thing Um, yeah yeah gosh this sounds like such powerful learning and like you say we're never taught this like for me sex ed was there's the condom on a banana and don't get an STI you know (laughs) okay great so then and like so hearing that tension in your in your system of like this I think this is now what I'm being told sex is I need to come for you so I need to do something for you and the way that codependency shows up and even in that interaction and then like my worthiness you know it's like the very basis of then that the sex is I need to do something or be something for you to keep you for you to love me rather than the the exploration of pleasure with two people in human bodies hold up 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. And it has been, and it's been an experience when, when I've been with people who have like got frustrated or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, when that happens, I'm like, oh, God, all right. <laughs> Yeah, red flag, okay. baby. No, clearly you're not. You're not the one. Okay, go and carry on. Um, and it's so like, interesting. Because, hmm. like, yeah, because like in terms of the science of orgasm, it's like for us to experience that change of state, our nervous system has to feel safe enough. You know, if you imagine like an animal in the wild, like there, then like that's what we are. We're we're humans, and so yeah. if you imagine like us. We, to, to orgasm means we're going to actually our brain structure is going to change and we're going to be in a set like a it's called like a, a dorsal a safe dorsal you can be in dorsal and be safe and when this happens it's actually surrender and bliss so it's a deep parasympathetic state of our nervous system so that's the most vulnerable place for us to be as a human because when we're in that place we can't defend against anyone or anything so what's yeah. so interesting is that I hear people or like, you know, struggling to orgasm or even talking about people complaining they have orgasms. I'm like, if you don't feel safe or if there's any pressure or you're trying to, it's like having the absolute opposite effect. It's like, try, you can't force these things. It's like the nervous system has got to regulate. And then naturally when it feels safe enough, like in that deep parasympathetic state, then it will happen for you. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's Oh, really? That's an amazing thing to hear. I never even considered that at all. That's that's sort of blowing my mind a little bit. That you are in this vulnerable, exposed place and need to feel safe. Yeah. You know, can you imagine how, like, you fully cannot defend yourself? And your brain structures literally change. You know, yeah. your prefrontal cortex goes off li- like offline. So when you're in that place, you're defenseless. So that you, like this one of this is why I love this work so much because it's actually one of the most vulnerable things for a human to experience. But it, we've we've learned through the lens of porn or TV or whatever for sex to look and be a certain way that we don't actually understand the depth of the human experience that we're having through this act. And another thing I learned about a little while ago there's a book it's a French book um I can't remember the name of the author I'll maybe link it in the bio um but it's called The Little Girl on the Ice Floe and mm. it's about um it's about a uh, uh, surviving sexual sexual abuse and assault mm, okay. um and I have been for I was I was victim of sexual abuse as a child and also I'm I was so sorry had sexual I was I was raped when I was 17 and then mm. have also suffered different kinds of sexual assault over the years. Things that I didn't really realize were sexual assault until yeah. someone went, yeah. okay. 
Um, yeah. And one thing uh, that was talked about in this book is apparently if you do have sexual trauma, um, there is there is something where you're you sort of have a bit of a disconnect to your pelvis, mm-hmm. and yeah. the the like pleasure inside you, you like your brain sort of cuts off from that area because it's so yeah. so connected with trauma and yeah. so connected with like pain and vulnerability, mm-hmm. and so for someone who is a survivor of of sexual assault to allow someone in and to allow yourself to actually yeah. connect emotionally and vulnerably and like physically just feel that place is mm-hmm. really really frightening yeah um when um when I was at drama school a lot of the time people people would sometimes get quite emotional because we did movement class every day drama school mm, and yeah. um <laughs> love it and uh people would often get quite emotional because we'd be moving and then a part of their body that they had never attached to before a, bo- a part of their body that they didn't know that they could move that they'd never felt before would yeah. suddenly yeah, yeah. Come, come up and I'm a, I had it with my neck I think that I moved my neck wow. in such a way I was able to move my chest in such a way that I was yeah. like I've never felt I didn't know I could do that absolutely and yeah very, very emotional and so mm. that feeling of with sex being um so enjoyed and present and you're able to feel it it's like it's like so so freeing one of the reasons why I was so addicted to this guy is because I was able to do that with him mm-hmm. but um and I would like cry after I came things like that mm-hmm. um, but, uh, what I've also learned is that he was very much mirroring what I wanted and needed in that moment so it felt like it was real and perfect and wonderful and it wasn't at all mm. um, and that sexual chemistry was actually completely on really on my side um, mm. it's sort of like being conned into it and I think coming out of that it's been very difficult to get back to any kind of any kind of sort of sexual enjoyment I guess mm. I think, um, yeah um, and this this feels so understandable I'm like hearing him think, of course, like, you know, this journey and I can't imagine how hard it would have been for you to go through the experience of feeling, oh my gosh, this is it. I feel safe. Oh my gosh. Like I, my body can go through this. And then it's like, it sounds like it's like whipped away. And then the trust that can come up of like, can I even trust now what someone says or, or does to me? Like, does anything like this connection mean anything? I think when our trust can be broken so badly in attachment, it's like, how can we trust other people? what they're saying so I'm just so feeling this this experience for you and and it actually reminds of what you said I think a few sentences before around your, your movement at drama uh, school and like how we can touch on things even in the body you know and I work a lot with um and the reason why I, I use the term sexologist rather than just traditional like therapist is because I really advocate th- through the body I feel like we can only like talking only works so much that like we need to work with what is there and so often you know some of the most triggering things can be when we're in intimacy with someone and perhaps they just touch part of our body and we just didn't even know there was trauma in that stored there and then yeah. we're already in a response before we even know what's happened yeah yeah 
oh I feel a little bit emotional um this is this is like the the really big thing that I've been working through and and the reason Mm -hmm. this like breakdown really sparked um and the biggest thing I've had to overcome um and the idea of sort of returning returning and finding some something somebody else um at some point feels very very frightening and Mm -hmm. trusting trusting again um I'm getting to that place but one of my best mates said to me the other day actually he said it to me months ago when I was still very wrapped up in like oh yeah and um and I at the time I was like no but he (laughs) he said um you know you've kind of got to get to a place where you're all right being single for the rest of your life if that means that you're not forfeiting yourself or putting yourself in pain and at the time I was like are you fucking kidding me Mm I I like no 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 if there's someone comes up I, I'll do it I'll move country I will yeah. take out a half my liver I will literally <laughs> I, will do, I will do anything for them mm-hmm. and now I've got to the place where I'm like oh no I understand I totally understand yeah because I would so much rather remain single and remain in this space than in any way put myself in danger like that again and actually right now the life that I'm I'm living is kind of glorious it's just mm. like I get to be my own best mate. I've got my cat who is a treasure. Oh. He's, I, I can't speak enough about Mickey. He's a fierce codependent. We're working through it, but like. <laughs> <laughs> he comes to meetings. <laughs> he goes, he goes, he goes to Greta. But um, it's kind of this, I'm not in, I'm not putting myself in danger anymore, mm. whether mm. it be physically or emotionally. Um, and really, really taking care of myself. And I'm not willing to give that up anyone and I would rather remain single for the rest of my life than in any way be attached to someone who is going to hurt who's going to hurt mm-hmm. oh um, so hearing your power in this and like that this this like self-worth of actually taking care of yourself rather than giving your powers to other people to give back to you and actually what I feel like when I'm hearing all of this is is absolute um like inspiration and expansion, because I feel like as you've spoken about with before, like about getting sober and how you feel so much more different. I feel like this will also happen in intimacy. This will also, this is going to carry over. So whereas now it probably feels like, well, like anyone that may come in may feel like scared, may scary, but I feel like your mechanisms of how you understand your emotions and how you process things and how you communicate is like worlds apart that actually I think that if someone came into your life and even resembled someone that was going to hurt you, you wouldn't be attracted to them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't fancy them in the first you place. You wouldn't fancy them because you, yeah. you would know the red flags. You'd say, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. know, I know this in you. I've been here. This doesn't even turn me on because I can yeah. tell you're not a safe person. Yeah. And the, I, I can see the, like, and I always hate using the word ugly, but I don't mean it in re- in reference to a person to like aesthetically, because I genuinely don't really believe in like people being aesthetically ugly. I just don't really. Think yeah, I hear you. Oh my gosh, me too. What what a concept that we all fed to believe. Yeah, I just I just don't I just don't believe it's a thing. When someone goes, I look ugly, I'm like, no, you don't, because that's not a thing. But I do believe in ugliness of soul. Um, mm. if, if I came across somebody who presented that. I would see that far more clearly than I yeah. would 
them being unbelievably hot aesthetically I would yeah. like right like I, I would feel I would see that would be mm-hmm. projected them and they wouldn't be attractive to me exactly before, would have been so much but the yeah. the like the difference in testament to the growth and to the journey and I really want to sort of put this out to anybody who is who is struggling with attachment issues and struggling with yeah. relationship I was the worst oh, if someone came to advice be like do the opposite of what <laughs> I say or do it is I am the worst genuinely I, I was the worst and now um like I went on a couple of dates with a guy um I really liked him he was like one of the first people I've liked since mm. Michael. Um, oh my gosh since- Michael we love you Michael <laughs> <Look at him. laughs> um He's like one of the first persons I've properly liked since this last guy. And I was like, oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. He sort of backed away a little bit. And before I would have been like, oh my God. Like it would have destroyed me already because this is a thing with love addiction. It doesn't matter if it's one day yeah. or 20. Yeah. You go like, this is this, this is it. And this time I went, it's okay. It's okay, man. Like mm. you're you're in that place. I'm not, I am not going to run after you. I'm not going to beg for you. I'm like rejection is protection and actually I think I'm a pretty good catch these days Uh, these days I think I'm a catch so if you so if you're not into it that's okay that's okay man like oh my god I want to squeeze you I'm celebrating you so hard this is so huge this is massive like you in this in this interaction I feel like you've already shown that like your nervous system has rewired to a new level of like relationships and intimacy this is huge like yeah because you know even noticing like that um how when someone responds or whether they pull away or they need to like how triggering that can be for us and to notice that and be like okay what I want to do is ask them to marry me and move in right now but instead I'm going to sit with that sensation probably going to reflect on like what in my childhood brought that up for me and I'm going to use the coping mechanisms that I now have and yeah. this is where we create such healthier and more filling relationships because we're not acting out these patterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going, what what they have said, what they the 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 response that they're having, that is this is what I've learned as well. It's so much more to do with them than it yeah, is. Yeah, uh, it's all to do. And yeah, don't take it personally. It's not a personal attack. And this, whatever like you thought this was, I know that I am I project my mm. ideal onto people so I go it's oh, not it's not them it's not them it's what you think it's what you're that was yeah. coming from a deep of upset and trauma within you like it's okay so it's, it's okay and mm. I'm such a big believer now especially with everything that's happened the fact that so it was my year sobriety day yesterday so I'm just I'm a year and one day so happy <laughs> sober birthday oh my gosh oh my god celebrating you so much this is massive yeah. how does it feel you know what it's um I sort of spoke about it in this week's episode that it's a very strange sensation because while it's such an enormous achievement and I'm so mm-hmm. so grateful for this recovery it is also the anniversary of when I had tried to kill myself yeah I was having I was having seizures literal mm-hmm. literal seizures as a result Emily. Of, trauma and like my hair was falling out like it was mm-hmm. it, and I was dra- I was literally kicking and screaming like a wild animal in a cage I was put in mm-hmm. rehab and yeah. so looking at that 
entity of a like this broken little girl Mm. Um, and knowing that that was exactly this time last year it's a very strange sensation to be like yeah (laughs) let's put that on the wall it's like Mm. it's 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 it stores and because that trauma does store itself within you yeah um it does sort of arise in these very very strange strange ways um and so it's it's like it's a slightly uh, there's a sort of I was saying this yesterday in a meeting the sort of baking sheet Mm -hmm. paper in between this like wonderful joyous celebration and just being in complete bursting into tears yeah for a good reason um but I am I think and I'm just I'm I'm just I'm so I'm so grateful for the passage of time I'm so grateful for the passage of time because I'm just like oh my god I can't believe I got through it I cannot believe that I got through it yeah and you did like how incredible like the resilience and I really don't want to underestimate this, like having gone through my version of this, it's like, I think one of my biggest respects I have is, is, is for people that are recovering addicts, knowing that I am also that like the dedication, like the daily practice it takes to rebuild is literally day by day, just getting through it. So I think this is so huge and I hope you can take the time to feel into how big this is the celebration that you're a different version of yourself. Yeah, this completely like 180 different, like it's extraordinary. And it is, and you're right with addiction, it is waking up every single day and having to, the way I said it this week is this thing of going, you almost have this like version of yourself presented in front of you, the old version of yourself to go, remember why you're making these changes, remember yeah. why you're doing this, be faced with yourself and that part of mm-hmm. history every single day is very tough and there are some days and recovery while glorious and wonderful it does have its very dark days it's it really get- dark like to sit because I feel like in recovery we have to sit with the shame of who we were when we were in in our addictions then we have to feel the emotions that we didn't want to feel then we have to feel like the childhood trauma that caused all this so it's just like oh my gosh I'm in I'm excruciating pain right now like it's like almost you can't use your coping mechanisms you yeah can't use your yeah it's it's, it's wild I yeah one of my biggest lifesavers was um now looking back it's well but I I got sober and I went to a lot of um these it's like called Vipassana and I because a lot of my friends were still using um or like yeah like they were just in the, the drug scene so much and um and to sit with myself just with nothing no distraction and just yeah, in silence, not talking and just processing all of my shit. It, but I think from that, that's where we rewire our nervous systems and being with our bodies in this and teaching our bodies a different experience. And so then, because this is where I see um, quite a few people that um, think we can heal by ourselves. You know, if I heal enough by myself, then then everything will be fine. But what actually happens is that often we heal enough And no matter who we're in relationship with or intimate with, we're going to be triggered because anyone that we're attached to, we have no control over 
we love them. They're likely to mirror the wounds from our caretakers anyway, because that's how we grew up to know intimacy. So no matter, even if we've been on this healing journey for 20 years and we think this is it, like our wounds and stuff are still going to come up in relationship. So what I'm so inspired by hearing you and talk about your dating experience is like the work that you've done in your dark night of the souls by yourself so that when you meet someone that you're attracted to and actually want an invitation to heighten all your coping mechanisms and like oh my god this is it I want to I want to act out or I want to go right in it's like you have that safety in yourself to consciously choose something different yeah 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 just taking a pause just like taking a pause and acknowledging oh, the pause is a lifesaver all the pause is a lifesaver just yeah. like it's okay it's all right what avenue are we going to take here um rather than just barreling straight in with your feelings or your feelings your feelings are you you are not your feelings yeah but it's going this feels right because my brain's telling me it's right and going okay no 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 if i if i take this choice what avenue is this going to lead me down let's just like take let's just take a hot second mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. that kind of power is Oh, it is just like a big old superpower. It Mm, really, really is. It really is. And I wish that was normalized because I don't think it is. You know, we were talking about coping mechanisms earlier and around, I think like overworking and hustle hustle culture and fast, fast, fast. It can is normalized, but that's also can be a coping mechanism. If we build a successful yeah. life externally, we still don't have to really feel our, or heal our trauma, you know, because everything is built like a perfect, you know, house around us. But actually, when we sit with the pause or the feeling, like just how powerful that is and how much courage it takes to be in the conscious choice of something different and noticing that. And you spoke earlier around like, the trauma responses in in sex and dating and i feel like if more if there's enough if people had enough nervous system regulation to fit, have a pause then these responses wouldn't come up but they come up from our subconscious like involuntary like it's involuntary to and this is blows my mind that like often even women faking orgasms is an involuntary fawn response like not yeah. even like, like to create safety you know and how normalize that is and ingrained this is just something you do and actually yeah. if we could pause and reflect on are you feeling pleasure right now oh actually i'm not we probably need to change or try something different or communicate that's a different experience than just faking your way through sex which is what i have done mm. forever me too always honey me too like, it's always been for their benefit it's so they absolutely yeah no. the people pleasing the caretaking like like maybe you'll love me more if I'm having more pleasure. Maybe you'll want me more. Like, am I safe if I tell you I'm not having pleasure? I think every guy, if if any guy I've ever had sex with is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't come oh, once, fuck. by the way. <laughs> oh, fuck. I literally did not once. <laughs> yeah, not a single time. So just take some notes here. <laughs> oh, but this has been just the most glorious glorious conversation thank you so much for your time really it's just beautiful these kind of expertise talking about this stuff is just so so important and I'm just I'm so glad that we've had this conversation I can't wait for others to hear it too thank you so so much oh thank you so much and so appreciating your vulnerability and how you're like 
the expansion inspiration that you create for others by sharing these pieces that are coming up for you so that people know that the next steps and that it's been spoken about in the open so we can normalize this as a journey that we go on. Amazing. Oh, thank you so mm. much. Dan. Thank, thank you. you. Join me next week with my guest, actor and comedian, Edward Jones. If you or anyone you know is struggling or needs help with the issues discussed on Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends, please visit the podcast bio where you will find contact numbers with people readily available to give support. Please get in touch with your stories at either contact at whydoyouthink.com or on Instagram at emily underscore lang underscore UK. To have your story read on the podcast, please put Survivor Story either at the top or in the subject line. We really want to hear from you. We don't care if it's a catastrophe story or a small win from your week. We're here for all of it. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and I'll talk to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.